Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 93 of Bucks Dugout Podcast. I'm Nathan Hirsch and I'm with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it it's going? It's going pretty well, man. Uh, things have still been pretty hectic on my end. Um, been a busy week at work with uh, high school basketball playoffs nearing and uh, we're undergoing a big project at the radio station I work at. So it's been it's been pretty busy, but we've been finding time to just find some headspace. It's pretty busy in the basketball realm right now. I know college is starting to heat up a little bit before the uh, tournament next month. Jake, we're in February. Pitchers and catchers report in like two weeks. It's the time of the year where, you know, the hot stove has cooled off. Pretty much every team is what it is. Spring training is near. The regular season technically starts next month. We got the World Baseball Classic soon. I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Even though it's like 20 degrees today in Pittsburgh, baseball is inching its way towards our lives. Yeah, and it's surreal to think about because it feels like yesterday we were watching – what Johan Ramirez closed out the final game of the season at PNC Park. And, you know, you think about it and you're like, holy hell, the long trek to baseball season just started. But now here we are, like you said, pitchers and catchers report in less than two weeks. And I'm pretty excited for what the Pirates are going to bring, at least in the spring training. Yeah. And uh, speaking of spring training, which is near, the Pirates announced today some of the players that will be non-roster invites to spring training and there's some names on there that you expect to see such as some of the backup catchers like Jason delay. Uh, Heineman is a non-roster invite. He already signed his minor league deal, but there's some names there that are pretty intriguing. I don't know if you got to look at the list, but who are you kind of excited to see that won't make the team? but they're at least going to be invited to spring training. Well, I think the obvious choice here is Tamar Johnson. Oh. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I personally didn't expect him to be on the spring training roster. I thought maybe they were going to try to get him some reps in the minor leagues and, you know, uh, you know, maybe just see what he has there instead of bringing him into big league camp. But I mean, this is, this is a good sign. They're treating their first round pick like a first round pick. They want to throw him in the big time, see what he can do. And, make that a little bit of a starting point. I'm excited to see, because especially with all the rumors of how good of a hitter he is. And I, I mean, it's, there's always some sort of buzz around, you know, seeing a former first round pick in a spring training game. It's, it's unlikely that we're going to see him start any of these games. He'll probably appear right around the time, you know, people head out of the ballpark, people tune out of the game. He's, he's going to appear late against a lot of no names, but I mean, just seeing that kind of guy in a spring training game, you know, the black belt on him, it's almost like a glimpse into the future. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, but I, aside from him, I can't – well, that and I guess Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester, but 
I'm going to throw all the first round picks in a notable pile because I mean, come on, they're supposed to be pretty good. So um, I'm excited yeah. to see, I think Quinn Priester is going to get a lot more time on the mound against notable big league teams. He might even get a couple starts in spring training. I would at least hope um, again, another little bit of a learning point for him. I think he's going to, their, their expectations for him are much higher after the year he had last year. And I think since this year, they're going to try to bring him up to the MLB. Um, I definitely think they're going to try to put him in more realistic scenarios in spring training. And I think he's going to get bigger workloads as spring evolves. So it's going to be exciting to see what he can bring. If he can continue that success from the off season. Uh, I'm excited to see what Henry Davis can do. Hopefully he doesn't get hit by pitches all the time. Um, and Nick Gonzalez, the only thing I'm looking out, of him, out for him is consistency in spring because last year was not good offensively for him. Um, I just think that maybe he took the offseason, focused on, you know, bringing himself back to his New Mexico State form, and he's going to be that hitter that the Pirates know that he can be and that he was in college. I'm just going to say last year was a bit of a down year for him. Who knows? I guess other than them, I'm kind of excited to see Malcolm Nunez the power that he brings. I'm excited to see what he can do against some uh, maybe like mid-tier pitchers. Um, And I guess if I had to throw one out there, I'm excited to see what Andres Alvarez can do just because he was a 2020 player for the curve last year. And that I think went under the radar and I wrote it in my little write up on Buck's dugout. If you haven't checked it out already, I highly encourage you to check it out. Um, Alvarez surprised a lot of people last year. He only hit 220, but 20 homers, 20 RBIs. The guy is considered a rising prospect in the Pirates organization. And really, this is coming from somebody who not a lot of people considered as, I guess, a good prospect. He was just kind of caught fire. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. Again, he's probably going to get at-bats later in the games when people don't really care. But I'm excited to see him get the invite. But really, other than that, it's a ton of the prospects we already see. Uh, that we saw in the minor league system, maybe except for a few. Um, and we signed Chris Owings under the radar. Um, that surprised me a little bit, but that's my take who I think is going to be exciting in spring. I don't know if you share the sentiment of those players or if there's anybody else. Johnson, he's only 18 years old, which is pretty crazy to think about. He's already, I mean, he's he's up there on the top 100 prospects list. He's considered by many to be the Pirates' top prospect at the moment. And obviously, whenever you're the number four pick in the draft, expectations are high. But I'm excited to see what he can bring. Like you mentioned, he's probably not going to get a ton of playing time. He's probably going to be among the first cuts in spring training. But in those very early games, um, like the the first week of spring training, I'll be excited to see what Johnson brings, uh, see his approach, see the swing, see it all. Obviously, he's uh, pretty raw at this point, 18 years old, like I mentioned. But he might get a start here or there in perhaps a split squad day. So I'll be excited to see what he brings. Um, Yeah, you mentioned the big ones like Davis and Gonzalez. Gonzalez, I think the key for him this season is the health. Um, He's... He's talented. He's he's a plus hitter, but you know the injuries really piled up last season. One guy that I'm kind of interested to see when I whenever I think of the 2023 Pirates and what they could be, I look at the offense, the lineup, 
it looks pretty solid. You know, you have Cruz, Reynolds, hopefully Cabrian Hayes. Uh, alert, alert. Cabrian Hayes workout videos dropped today. He's looking good. Best shape of his life. Spring training talk, yada, yada. Hopefully Hayes can be the guy that the Pirates really need him to be. Um, the offense seems fine. The starting pitching honestly seems I'm not going to say good, but it's, it seems at least pretty stabilized with Keller Contreras, Rich Hill, guys like that. Um, I think the big question for the pirates, which could make or break the season is what does the bullpen look like? And you look at it now it's Bednar and a whole bunch of spots that are up for the taking. And one non-roster invite that I see there is Kyle Nicholas. Uh, he was acquired in the Jacob Stallings trade. He's a guy, you look at him, he's 23. He spent 2022 in Altoona, 397 ERA, 24 games. He started 22, so perhaps the Pirates do see him more as a starter. But if that's not the case, maybe he's a guy that could – you look at it, if he has an awesome spring, maybe he's a guy that could break camp. I'm not sure. Uh, I just think with the bullpen, there's a ton of spots. Nobody's job is safe besides Bednar and besides maybe <laughs> your boy Underwood or Will Crow. But other than that, I think it's I think it's open season. I want to see some players really seize the opportunity to – find a spot in this bullpen. Jose Hernandez, that's another guy that's safe considering he's a roll five draft, but I'm excited to see what some of these bullpen guys such as Nicholas have to bring this spring training. Yeah. And I feel like Nicholas is a prospect that not a lot of people remember just because, um, well, the Stallings trade is not looking too great. And, you know, a lot of people just look at the bright, shiny objects on the pirates rotation right now, Keller Contreras, Ortiz, if you will, Priester coming up. Like you all see all these big names and Kyle Nicholas is he's serviceable, but he's nowhere near the caliber of them. So I think that's a lot of people miss miss. Uh, they, they forget him. They leave him behind. And just watching him in Altoona when I would go to games, I mean, the guy is great. I mean, he's going to have his moments where he gets rocked a little bit, but you know, he's human. Everything's going to happen like that. But I think he showcases good control velocity. He can mix it pretty well. Um, and I think he could be a nice little long relief piece. Um, but then again, who knows? Maybe they will try to maybe mold him into a starting pitcher to allow maybe like, I'm trying to think of maybe I'm thinking JT Brubaker, maybe if he wants to be a piece, but that's in his own league. But that's the good thing about Nicholas is versatility. He can, you know, play one place or another. Um, I'm also excited to see uh, Colin Selby, how he does in, uh, spring training because he was one of the surprises that was added to the 40 man roster uh, in the off season. He pitched really well last year. I just don't think a lot of people realize that he was going to be on the 40 man. Um, but I'm really excited to see what he can do. Maybe if he can possibly be a setup man or maybe like a closer alternate for David Bednar, because I mean, that's kind of what he did in the, in the minors. But um, I mean, again, he's got great velo, great location. Uh, he tore up triple a last year. I'm excited to see what he can do and how Derek Shelton utilizes him because when you have a guy who is as impressionable as Colin Selby is, there's a lot of things that you can do with him. And to me, I, I could definitely see him as like that setup guy, maybe 
it would allow Will Crow to be more of like a long relief piece or middle relief, you know, something he's more used to instead of a setup setup role. And Colin Selby could be that eight, eighth inning guy while Bednar is a ninth. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I mean, really, some of the non-roster invitees that are in the bullpen, they're not the greatest. So if I had to pick like one guy in the bullpen to look at, it's Selby. Yeah, that's a good pick. And kind of on the younger side, again, I mentioned Johnson on the hitting side, but on the pitching side, Jared Jones found himself in invites to spring training. And that's a guy with big time stuff. Um, 20, 21 years old at the moment. I'm not sure where he's going to start the season. He finished the season last year in uh, high A. So maybe he takes that step up to double A at some point this season. But you look at someone like, uh, Jones, 122 innings pitched last year. That's pretty impressive for a 20-year-old, I would say. And in that time, 142 strikeouts to 51 walks. Control is a little bit of an issue with him. The ERA doesn't look great, 4.62 in high A. But I'm excited to see what he can bring in spring training. Uh, Big-time stuff. Hopefully, he can have a few nice outings as well. Um all right, moving on here. So me and you, we were talking before the podcast on what we should talk about today. And I kind of threw out the idea of what would this team look like if they had a miracle season and became a t- contender? What would need to happen? But also we were talking about um, Buck Stuckout put out a tweet about uh, MLB Network Radio, the cast of Loud Outs, talking about their expectations for the Pirates this season. And their expectations are pretty low. Uh, They say Reynolds will be traded, which I could see that. O'Neill Cruz is the only player with a high ceiling. I don't really agree with that. I think uh, someone like Rowanza Contreras has a high ceiling. I still believe that Cabrian Hayes because he's so awesome at fielding, if he hits just a little bit, that raises his ceiling a ton. Uh, Even someone like Jack Sawinski, maybe he's not going to be a superstar, but I feel like his ceiling is a pretty solid everyday player. Basically, they said that they thought the Pirates are going to win less than 70 games this season. I guess before we get to how the Pirates could potentially have a miracle season. What are your thoughts on kind of the expectations for the pirates? I think it's ridiculous kind of. And I think it kind of shows that the big network guys don't really pay attention to the pirates as much. And rightfully so. I mean, when they're dealing with all these big teams that are, you know, finding success year after year, they don't look at the teams like the pirates and really study them and see their track of potential success. But I find a lot of things wrong here because I was the one that actually listened to this and I'm, I'm, I was talking like almost as if I was talking to them or with them. And I, I just found so many wrong things about this. The only thing I could possibly see being right is less than 70 wins just based on the pure couple of seasons alone. But then again, I'm also a realist and I kind of say, Hey, we upsided a lot with this team. We upgraded a lot. We brought in true first base and we brought in some power. Like there's a lot of good that came with the Pirates this offseason that could put them over 70 wins or at the 70 win mark. And I'm looking at these points. Reynolds will be traded, possible, but considering Charrington has held on to him for this long, I think it kind of shows that that's not their MO. Cruz, the only one with upside. That's also BS. Um, Key Brian Hayes didn't do great hitting wise last year, but considering he led all 
uh, National League, if not the MLB, in, DR, in defensive runs saved. How can you not say that there's any upside, that there's no upside with him? If anything, there is more upside to him because of how he can do defensively. And if he just gets his bat under control, then things will better. And Kutch being the only the team's X factor due to potential milestones is probably that's probably the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. Uh, thank you. I don't I don't disagree that Kutch is an X factor and he's chasing milestones. And yes, there's a lot of leeway behind that, but. I mean, when you think of the definition X factor, and I know it's kind of a general thing, but what comes to mind is somebody who can make a difference, whether it's in the clubhouse, on the field, or both. And yes, Kutch can make a difference in the clubhouse, but you got to think of the guys that are on the field. We just talked about Hayes leading the league in defensive runs saved. That's an X factor. You got O'Neill Cruz, who literally brings swagger and power and almost a, a new type of baseball to the diamond. That's X factor material. You can't just go around and say that this guy is an X factor only because of this. You got to consider all the options. And like I said, these guys at MLB network radio or all the big time networks or hell, even small market networks, they don't care about teams like the pirates because you want to talk about the teams that do well, because that's the one that garners most attention. But to say that these bland vanilla generic things about the pirates, it just shows that they did not, put any effort into their research at all and see just how far the pirates could be. And to me, this coming season is going to be a lot better than last. Is it going to be a championship team? No. Is it going to be a perfect season? Absolutely not. But there's a lot more to this pirates team in 2023 than what these guys believe. And you would know that if you were a fan, a true fan, that is, and you actually study the team and see the kind of moves they make and see what kind of gaps they're trying to fill with what they can bring in. So to me, these, uh, these things that they're saying are absolute rubbish. And the only thing that is viable, like I said, less than 70 wins. And that all comes down to really man in game management and, you know, how Shelton uses the players. But I, I think there, this is a very overloaded statement. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, you are right. It's not like the Pirates get a ton of coverage, and when they do, it is mostly negative. But I guess if you look at it right now, the early lines uh, for the Pirates' win total over-under, I've seen a few different ones, but the, the number that I keep seeing the most is about 68.5 wins, which I think last year it was maybe 60 four and a half 65 something like that the year before it might i think the year before it was like 59 or something like that so at least vegas has slightly more confidence in the pirates to maybe reach and over maybe reach 70 wins but i don't know um i think i think for the pirates to be good and i guess this can kind of transition into what type of miracle would it take for the Pirates to, I don't want to say contend for a World Series, but maybe contend for a playoff spot, maybe be spunky, maybe be uh, within the race by the time the trade deadline rolls around? I mean, you look at it, for me, what needs to happen is O'Neill Cruz, he needs to be a star. Um, and... I think he will be, maybe not in 2023. I don't think perhaps he's going to be a six-win player this season, but 
I don't know. You see some of these other young players in the game with big time talent. They've all kind of worked out. When you look at someone such as a Julio Rodriguez, who was a rookie last season, um, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, even though Soto's like barely older than O'Neill Cruz, I believe. But I truly do believe that Cruz is on that level of raw talent. Whether he puts it together or not, I don't know. But if he does put it together and he is a top 10 player in baseball, I, don't, I mean, that that's at least the start. And then you go from there. If Cruz is your star, he's your number one, he's your cutch of the mid uh, – 20 teens, then you kind of branch out. You hope Brian Reynolds is a five win player. You hope Cabrian Hayes could be a three to five win player. And you just kind of stack the position players. I will say offensively, I think this team has a ton of upside just because of the players they added. Um, You look at it, guys like Kutch, guys like G-Man Choi. These are hitters that walk a decent amount, they get on base. And I really think that the lack of the shift um, will bolster this offense too. I feel like that's kind of been the the strategy from the Pirates front office this off season is to add players that get on base and players that got shifted a ton last season. And obviously that won't be allowed this upcoming season. So those grounders through the hole will get through the hole more often. So I feel like offensively, the pirates are set defensively. Maybe not so much. Uh, Cruz is a work in progress at shortstop. Hayes is obviously awesome. The outfield is probably not going to be awesome defensively. Reynolds needs to bounce back to his 2021 defensive self. Um, But I don't know. Starting pitching wise, there's a chance that they could be good. I think. If Rollins and Contreras can take a step up, Keller continue to get better. JT Brubaker, just to be himself, honestly. If he's a two-win pitcher, I'll take that out of the number four spot. You know, Rich Hill, same deal. Be a, be a two to three win, wins above replacement type pitcher. And then hopefully someone like Oviedo or Luis Ortiz kind of steps up and fills out the middle of the rotation. They could be decent. Like I mentioned earlier, though, I think the bullpen is key. For the Pirates to have any chance of, I'll say it again, pulling off the miracle and being good this season, which I just want to preface this. I don't think this is going to happen. We're just kind of dreaming here. It's early February. Every team has a chance. Let us dream. The bullpen is key, though. The Pirates need one of those uh, Neil Huntington-esque bullpens where everyone just kind of works out. Um, And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Oscar Marine can figure out the bullpen. But if they can somehow stitch together a decent pen, you know, get five to six innings out of their starters every day and slam the door shut with that offense, who knows? They might be decent. They might be... It seems like the goal is 83 wins with this team. Who knows? We need a little uh, Andrew McCutcheon renaissance, a comeback year of sorts. That could help too, but I don't think it's impossible. And personally, as a gambling man, heck, I might sprinkle a dollar or two on the division title odds just because 
if you put two dollars on it, you'd win like two hundred dollars <laughs> or something like that. So why not? I think the title, you know, instead of winning two hundred dollars, I think the title of picking the Pirates to win the division and actually accomplishing it, I think that carries more weight than just winning two hundred bucks. But I'm going to echo your sentiment about the offense. I think we're in a good place right now. Schematically, it's built for today's age in baseball. It's not overloading on power. It's not overloading on contact. I do think, though, that the Pirates really do need to splurge and get a star bat, not an aged veteran who could have some upside as a star again. Um, I don't deny that Carlos Santana is going to be a pretty good addition to the Pirates, especially as a DH. I don't deny that Kutch is going to be a good contact hitter, but he's not going to be what they were in their prime. So for the pirates to get any, get better. And I know this is talking about the future more, but I mean, they still, there's still one, maybe two solid bats away from get, you know, getting to that point. And maybe they can homegrown homegrow that. But I think we are seeing in this day and age where to get a really prolific hitter and a good piece for your team, you need to splurge on free agency or trade. You can't just homegrown it anymore. O'Neill Cruz could switch that though. Um, but when you're talking about the pitching and I agree, the bullpen is probably the biggest thing for us because I mean, last year there were so many games that we had a chance to win and it, it was either Bednar was gassed. Crow's arm was a literal noodle. Dwayne Underwood blue games, Chase DeYoung for what it's worth did pretty well, but still blue games. Like there, there's a common theme here. And as soon as you talked about the Neil Huntington esque bullpens, I don't know why, but my mind immediately flashed to 2012 Vin Mazzaro <laughs> because he was so bad for other teams, but the Pirates, he was so dominant that year. And that that right there just shows like Neil Huntington was good at picking up people for the bullpen. But but you also look at that, and he was a, if I'm not mistaken, a former starter that was turned into a bullpen star. And maybe he can do that with one of these guys. Maybe like, I, I don't know, Oviedo, maybe, or maybe Luis Ortiz. Like there are some options and you know, down in the minor leagues that they could probably fill this out with, but yeah, they kind of need that guy that they can bring back up and be that star in the bullpen. You need to have a notable name in there. And you flash it back to like the anywhere from 20, I would say 12 to 2015. I mean, the notable names you think of are Mark Melanson, Jason Grilly, Tony Watson, all of which were nobodies beforehand. So it's, it's weird because you think that they need to keep adding star arms to these, to this bullpen, but really you look back to those years and, those were a lot of pitchers that nobody really thought were going to pop off, but they did. But yeah, that bullpen really needs some work. The one thing I'd describe it as you can't fill a bullpen with a bunch of people that you look at and say they could be okay. You need to look at them and say they could be great. They need to already be established as a good arm because if they're not, then you're really weighing your chances in terms of late game potential of winning. And, you know, these guys could blow it rather easily. Back at least in 2013 through 2015, you had arms in the bullpen where even the, the, the guys that you didn't really think of, like the, the ones that come to the top of that are John Holtzcomb, Bobby Law from mm. Boise. Like those are names that probably a lot of people forget. But you look at what they did. They didn't pitch very much, but they still pitched very well. Um, so, I mean, you got to – and they, they started off with, you know, rep, repetition, or reputations of – these guys are good. They could be great, but we don't know that. They, we know that they're decent, so they have a chance to really help us, and they did. So, and, and obviously there's a lot of other names that can go with it, but those are the type of arms you need in this pitching staff. And right now the Pirates don't have that. Like you said, Nate, they have, they have people that could be okay. 
not people that could be great. And that's what I think that's the mindset they need to have in terms of the, of the bullpen. The rotation, I think, is fine, especially if, like you said, JT Brubaker pans out like like he should, like a two-win player. Keller keeps improving. Contreras continues to be dominant. Then you have guys like Oviedo, um, Ortiz, who continue to impact. Rich Hill probably won't. He's probably more of a trade chip. But if you bring in a veteran who has upside and can be dominant, kind of like what Liriano was whenever we brought him the first time. Um, we knew he was good and could lead a rotation and same with AJ Burnett because Burnett was established already. But again, wishful thinking, that's a lot of steps. And I don't know if Ben Sherrington's willing to go down that route, but I I mean, the offense is fine. Rotation is getting there. Yeah. And as you were talking, I kind of just looked up the 2023 fan zips projections. And I mean, according to this, the the key for the Pirates where they need to kind of um, outplay their projections, it's on the pitching side because, I mean, these, these projections are usually pretty uh, conservative. You look at it, as far as pitching goes, the top Pirates pitcher is Rowanzi Contreras, uh, and he's projected to have a 1.9 F4 over 122 innings pitched. And that's, that's the highest for all pitchers war-wise. Next is Keller. Third is... Interestingly enough, Luis Ortiz, and then fourth is Brubaker. Um, the pitching needs to perform itself. It's it's pretty much that. Because on the hitting side, uh, I mean, the Zips is pretty high on Brian Reynolds. Interestingly enough, the second highest Zips projection on the Pirates' position players and team, I guess, is Andy Rodriguez at 3.3 projected war. And that would mean... That's over 124 games. That's over 520 plate appearances. So that's probably not going to happen. He's probably going to get hopefully close to 400 plate appearances. You look at O'Neill Cruz last year, he got what? He got 361 plate appearances. So if you imagine Rodriguez getting called up at around the same time that Cruz did last year, that's probably a good bar to set. But they're high on Rodriguez. They're high on Cruz too. I mean, uh, 3.2 3.2 war for O'Neill Cruz um, and 3.1 for Cabrian Hayes. So according to the zips, and I mentioned that the projections are pretty conservative three or sorry, four position players with a war three or higher. That is a nice little place to start. And um, you know, after that, Connor Joe, they think maybe he can be a two win player. It's funny. I've kind of forgot about Connor Drew since the trade, um, since the Pirates traded for him, but that's, that's a nice little piece. If he can bounce back and be his 2021 self instead of his 2022 self. Um, having said that, I mean, a lot of outperforming needs to be done. Um, one of these players needs to skyrocket themselves to superstardom and in my mind, I feel like Cruz has the best chance to do that, but who knows if Cabrian Hayes hits 75% of what he did in 2020 when he was awesome for a month, when he was freaking Alex Rodriguez for a month, uh, who knows? Maybe Cabrian Hayes can, can be that player, but I don't know. Um, obviously I don't think the pirates are going to be contenders this year, but I think there's a chance that early, early in the season, maybe it's May, maybe it's June. They won't be 10 games, 20 games under 500. And as far as the over under goes, 68 and a half. I mean, heck, 
I'm an optimist. I like that over. I really do. I, if I were to wager a guess, you kind of see the Pirates as being their 2012 self. They weren't ready to contend, but they were they were significantly yeah. better than 2011, and especially better since 2010. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, in 2010, they lost like 105 games, and I don't know if you remember. In 2011, they actually were over 500 late into June, actually into July, and that's when collapse 1.0 happened. They ended up going like. Uh, they ended up being really bad, but in 2012, that's when that's when many hearts were broken. The Pirates, I believe, at one point were like 60 and 46, many games over 500 late into the season, and they completely collapsed. Lost 90 games, still, I think. But yeah, I think the 2011, 2012, that's kind of where the Pirates are in this new current rebuild. If we're kind of using the same timeline as the last time the pirates were good. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty good comparison. Um, I mean, simply put the pirates just need one of these guys either coming up or on the team right now to, to be a star and be a star quickly. And that's not impossible in today's major league baseball. You see it all the time. Players come up, they're awesome immediately making not even a million dollars and they carry their teams to world series. Think of Juan Soto carrying the nationals to the world series. Probably not a great example because they actually paid some players, but I don't know. I think, uh, I think there's some upside to this 2023 squad. I do too. And I think 2012 was probably a good comparison for them because like I said, they weren't ready to compete, but they were, they improved a lot and you know now it's just sort of mixing and matching and filling those last gaps with the players that have been highly touted as coming up and uh we started to see that in 2012 if i'm not mistaken i think that was the year what walk no walker was up before then so was jones I'm trying to think of some notable guys from 2012 wasn't that the year pedro deb- debuted yeah pedro um they had garrett cool on the way he came up in 2013 but yeah, that young core of Starling Marte, Pedro, Neil Walker, McCutcheon, that was in the 20... Well, Kutch came up in 2009, but that whole core kind of found themselves in 2012, I would say. And, you know, you look at some of the comparisons to this team, that 2012 bullpen wasn't the greatest in the world, and neither is ours right now. Um, it, it's really centralized around the young core, especially one player that is going to take everything and we could uh, a semantic map and draw connections all night. But the thing with me is, is the main overall theme here. And that is the pirates are going to improve in 2023. I know I, I personally, I feel like we could have improved way quicker than this, but you know, we're here. The worst is behind us. And to me, I think the worst is finishing under 68 wins, which I guess is okay. But as long as we're not with the hundred losses, I'll be fine. But I mean, yeah, just in closing, I mean, I think this year is going to be a lot very promising for the Pirates because whether or not they win or lose, we're going to see some action with the young studs that come up. It's going to be exciting to see Andy and O'Neill in the same lineup, possibly guys like Matt Gorski breaking out, being that, uh, you know, the underrated hero that nobody really understood. So I don't know. I'm excited for it. I think I think Pirates fans have a lot to look forward to. And, you know, they I think they still need to exercise a stretch of patience, too, with it. Yeah, and I guess to be the Debbie Downer here, 
there is also a route for this team to be completely as bad as they have been the past two years. It kind of goes without saying. I mean, there, there's definitely a chance that Brian Reynolds is traded midseason. If the Pirates think, I would say that Reynolds traded at the deadline is probably going to happen. Honestly, if the Pirates are pretty decent, he might still get traded at the deadline. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to think about O'Neill Cruz hitting 180 heading into June. I don't want to think about perhaps Mitch Keller taking a step back or Rowanzi Contreras taking a step back. It's possible, but I think overall, organizationally, the arrow has to be trending up. Just because, I mean, we've said it. How many times on this podcast over how many episodes have we said, I think this is rock bottom. It had to be at least five to 10. Way too many, way too many. And I don't think it's rock bottom anymore. And even if the pirates still do awful, there's at least some nostalgia with McCutcheon. There's at least the occasional 9,000 mile per hour bullet from O'Neill Cruz. Rowan Contreras is going to have many pitching ninja gifts over the season. So there's at least talent there. Um, But I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Jake, before we wrap up today, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, Congrats to Cole Tucker on reaching the lottery in terms of marriage. He got engaged to freaking Vanessa Hudgens today. Congratulations, Cole Tucker. It's the (laughs) biggest hit he's had in his life. I don't know. Somebody commented on the picture we posted on Bucks Dugout saying, what happens if he hits under 200 again? I said, not too sure, but I mean, he's, he'll always bat 1,000 on life, so there's that at least. Honestly, good for Cole Tucker, and I guess good for Vanessa Hutchins as well. I don't know. More, Do we call this the start of something new? <laughs> is, that, is that like a high school <laughs> musical reference or something? Yes, and I hate myself for making it. Oh, my God. I hate myself for like kind of understanding what you're talking about. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, (laughs) You said you wanted to touch on Mason Martin for a second here. Jumping back to the non-roster invitations, uh, obviously I think everybody's noticed that Mason Martin hasn't been invited to spring training, which that could change soon. But the fact that he wasn't even announced in the secondary wave of non-roster invitations, it got me thinking, and I want to get your take on this. Have the Pirates officially given up on Mason Martin? Uh, I mean, you look at it. He did have a full season in AAA. He's 23. He's going to turn 24 in June. He was awful last season uh, in AAA. Batted 210, 287 on base, 410 slugging. He somehow, I mean, he hit 19 home runs and had 29 doubles. I just, I want it to work out. I don't know. I don't think they've perhaps given up quite yet. I think this season is the ultimate make or break for him. If he's not any better then yeah, it's over, but you look at it. 194 strikeouts in 541 plate appearances at triple a just quick math. That's like close to 40%. I think, yeah, I think that's a like a little over a little under a third of at bats. He struck out, which, Leads me to believe that they have given up on him because you look at all the additions they made in the offseason to the first base platoon. They classify Matt Gorski, who played last year as a primary outfielder. They classify him as a first baseman outfielder, which 
boggles my mind. Henry Davis is touted to possibly move to first. Andy can play first. Like, there's a lot of options you can put at first base there. And I'm starting to think, like, all, all these guys hit way better than uh, Mason Martin does. And with him striking out over a third of the season, and can, I know he's still young. He's turning 24. He's got a lot of potential in terms of power-wise. And, like, he could be a slugging first baseman, but... Do you really want to weigh your chances on that, on the fact that he strikes out close to a third of the time? And I think if the Pirates are really committed to taking a step in the right direction, they don't want to put all their chips on him. Yeah, no, I mean, at this point, he's more of a lottery ticket than anything. Um, It's just, it sucks because the power is so apparent. I'm just looking at his baseball reference page, his minor league stats. He's never been an average guy at all, but... I'm just looking at 2019 in between low A and high A. He hit 35 home runs, got on base at a 351 clip, slugged 558. And I know RBIs aren't they're they're the cherry on top stat, but there's just something really juicy when you see 35 home runs and 129 RBIs. And that was in 2019. He was age 20, so. Four years later, it is make or break time. I think I don't want to say the Pirates have given up on anyone in their system because they're still in the system. There's still a chance that they could perform, but he's definitely not. Uh, I mean, he's not even a top 50 prospect at this point in the system. So we'll see. I'm rooting for him. Um, the power is insane, but yeah, 194 strikeouts. That's. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, and I'm with you. It sucks to see him go through this because I was high on Mason Martin and I kind of in a way I still kind of am, but I'm also I'm also on the train. I'm trying not to be as cynical, but man, I I I'm starting to give up on him because if he was really up to the potential that they held him at, he would be in the major league system already. He would be getting constant at bats. He would get looks. He would get invited to spring training of all places, but I mean, like I said, that could change, but considering he wasn't in the first or second wave of announced signings or announced invitees, that, that's, that's sad. And I think they have truly given up on him. Yeah. And I guess we'll actually see, you know, just how over it is for him once the season starts in the minors. We'll see if he begins at AAA again. And yeah, Malcolm Nunez is there. So Matt Gorski, there's names that are passing him up. And we'll have to see how playing time is allotted, but. Yeah, that sucks. Um, Maybe he'll figure it out somewhere else. Maybe not. But he is, he's like Brad Eldred. He really is. He's left-handed Brad Eldred. But even Brad Eldred got a cup of coffee in the majors. So still holding on the slightest amount of hope. Let me ask you this. What's more likely? The Pirates win 90 games or Mason Martin finds himself in the major leagues in 2023. I would say Mason Martin finding his way to the big leagues in 2023, yeah. just because, I mean, the, considering the pirates went from hundred losses to 90 wins in one year, that's kind of a stretch. Mason Martin at least has a chance to redeem himself. Yeah. So I think that's more likely. I agree. 100%. What about Mason Martin or 80 wins? Mm, I still say Mason Martin. I'm not ready to go yet on 80 wins. I think I agree. I don't know. That's tough. That's I feel like that's a good line. <laughs> uh, but I miss Brad Eldred. He was he was fun to watch. Big country. 
big country. I or, still play with him on MLB 06, the show, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a taters machine, and yeah. we'll see. All right, Jake, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter, underscore Radio Jake. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And, of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter, at Bucks Dugout. We'll be back next week. And Pitchers and Catchers is it's getting closer and closer. And once the regular season starts up, we'll have more pods. Um, hopefully. I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Jake. Talk to you later. Good pod. Peace out.